All right, testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Back here with another episode of Chillin' with Dylan. Back here with our first returning guest, William McKay. I made it back on the pod, baby. Let's go. You made it. You made it. You made the dream. You made the dream. You're the first person to return. Everyone was telling me you got that radio voice, so yeah. I had a... Uh, Make sure I seize the opportunity. That and like I was just gonna keep texting you until you I basically <laughs> made you fucking do this. So have you have you um, thought about have you thought any more about doing your own podcast still or what do you think about that still? I definitely want to really mm. bad. Um, I was think like me and my brother just like have our fantasy basketball league and mm. I listen to like a lot of basketball YouTubers. So I was going to do like a the Ball Brothers podcast or something like that. Yeah. And, like just talk about like what's been going on in the NBA and stuff like that and kind of. I mean, that's something that I really enjoy, and even if it, like, doesn't pan out to be something that ever made me money, like, it's a f fun hobby to have, if anything no, else. Like, I don't have a lot of, like, cool hobbies now that I'm back home in Long Beach. Yeah. Like, not a whole lot of, like, interesting stuff going on for mm -hmm. me, so that'd be cool. I mean, um, what's it called? Do you want you want it formatted just, like, you and your brother talking, or do you want a, a uh, you want different guests, kind of discussion, type podcast, or you don't really know? I have def- I mean, I envision it just me and him talking, but- uh -huh. I'm open to other ideas too. Like, if it if it just ends up being something that he's like not that into, and like, because you gotta like watch all the games to be able to do that. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of got to be ready for the grind for that. Um, if you want to make it a good podcast, and, yeah. like not just do like a weekly update, like or maybe like bi-weekly or whatever. You want it to be like an you want to be a actual sports analysis, dude. I want like hardcore NBA fans to tune in and be like, I'm learning something from this. You no, that, I mean? that, that is so hard to do, but that's the thing, too. That is the most interesting part. That's why I've been so updated with, uh, I always talk about UFC, but I'm so updated with UFC fights because, um, I'm always, like, checking to see who the next fight is or, like, who the upcoming fight nights are and stuff like that because I'm so interested in, um, you know, that's the greatest part about sports is, like, kind of the storyline throughout the season, and I really enjoy that, just seeing, like, following certain fighters and seeing how they end up and stuff like that. Yeah, I was, uh, I, like, only casually watched UFC, mm -hmm. and it was usually when I was, like, too baked to realize what the fuck was happening. <laughs> I was just like, bro, like, he's punching that guy really hard, like. <laughs> like really hard. Like, really hard. <laughs> but I will say, though, like, when I was, uh, like, in fifth grade, I was, like, watching WWE, like, every day. Yeah. Like, it was, like, John Cena feuding with, like, all these different people and stuff. And, like, the emotions and the storylines definitely were got me. And, like, it's scripted. It's a, it's a, you know what I mean? Like, the outcomes are, like, predetermined. Mm. So, I don't like calling it fake because people really get hurt and stuff. And I don't want to, like, undermine what they do yeah. as, like, an athletic talent, you know? Uh -huh. But, like, it is a scripted thing. So, like, it's meant to be dramatic in that way. But, like, I, I like, was so into it for no did, reason did at all. Did you know it was fake? Um, so... When I first started watching, no, which yeah. is kind of dumb, because, like, uh -huh. if someone got punched in the face, like, no gloves or anything like that, just, like, full force, like, you don't just, like, oh, like, you don't just, like, I guess the people on the absorb podcast it, can't see it, it. you don't yeah. just absorb that and, like, go get a steel chair after that and hit him back, yeah. and, like, no one takes, like, steel chair shots to the head and, like, talks about it afterwards yeah. like that, you know what I mean? So I probably should have used some common sense, but um, I started, like, looking up on the internet, like what the outcomes of the, like, I would look up, like, Friday Night Smackdown, like, on Thursday. Uh -huh. and, and it would be like, this is what's gonna happen, blah, 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 like, Edge wins, like, uh -huh. retains championship, and I was like, bro, like, what? 
are you serious? I'm like, <laughs> it was really bad because like I'd start printing out the script of what was going to happen. I'd be like selling it to all my friends at school who were super into WWE. You would sell the script to other people. And it's dumb too because like I was just what? ruining the show for them and like they were paying for that it. That like, is smart. You went around printing out the WWE script and then you... I would, would charge like 75 cents for it or whatever and just like... You were a young Enough hustler. people wanted it that uh, like I could make five bucks on You were a young hustler. You were a young hustler. Yeah, I don't know where that energy went Does now. Does everyone but... else believe it then too? Does everyone believe it? I like, think, like, generally speaking, like, back in the day when there was no internet, a lot of people did. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like, they were very good about, they, they call it, like, kayfabe, mm-hmm. which is basically the idea that, like, um, wrestling is real, like, everything that is presented to you needs to be, like, as real as possible, feel real. Uh-huh. And, uh, sorry, I, like, lost my train of thought there, but, like, uh, people, like, believed in the kayfabe stuff back then. What's and like, kayfabe? It's, it's like, the 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 belief that wrestling is real like they be, like the storyline that be, is being presented to you is a real thing like, why is it called kayfabe i couldn't tell you oh. i don't know it's just wrestling terminology <laughs> that i've picked up on over the years but um i think like there have been a few events in wrestling history like leading up to like the internet that kind of like already broke down that barrier and like mm. kind of let people in um i don't know if you've ever heard of like the montreal screw job no but um it's a famous wrestler like bret hart and Shawn michaels and there was two companies at the time, WCW and WWF, uh-huh. and they were both WWF wrestlers, but Brett was taking a big contract with WCW, but he had the title at a certain time, and he's like, I'm not dropping it on this night, this night, this night, and he was being real anal about it, so, like, they had the guy who owns the company, Vince McMahon, come down there and, like, had them, like, pretend that he tapped out to a submission that he didn't, t- like, tap out to, uh-huh. and, like, everybody's watching and like, whoa, that was bullshit, like, what yeah. just happened, and, like, they changed the title hand the title to the Sean and like they get out of there and like everybody's booing and shit. And like, like that was kind of like the first real moment where like, not the first real moment, but that was like one of the big moments where it was like, dude, like that was fucked. Yeah. Definitely something going on behind the scenes there. And Mm -hmm. like WCW ended up kind of making a big, like they did it a little bit too much. Like they played around with like people when they were like, what's real, what's not real to the point where it was just like, this is fucking dumb. Yeah. That's why they ended up, like, burning out, and now WWE is, like, the only real wrestling company that's, like, elite like that. Oh, uh, so uh, once bef- there were ones before that that just fizzled out? Yeah, it started off, like, a bunch of small ones and all over the country, and, like, I'm sure, I hope there's no one that, like, has better wrestling knowledge than yeah. me, and, like, is just like, what the fucking is this idiot talking about? But, like, <laughs> I'll I didn't, get, I, I'll get a so, message later. Yo, this dude William did not know what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... I've yeah, been researching so. wrestling for years. It yeah. ended up being, like, these two companies in, like, the early 2000s, like, mm-hmm. slash late 90s. Um, and uh, WCW was owned by the guy who owns, like, CNN now. Uh-huh. And WWF is, like, Vince McMahon, who's, like, basically, like, just the name for is wrestling. He da- is he Dana, like, Dana White kind of? Exactly. Oh, okay, exactly. Okay. He's yeah. the da- Dana White of, like, fake wrestling, basically. Mm-hmm. So... He, is mean, it he one makes person, all the money now. He's the one, he owns the company, like, he's, like, the main spokesperson, the main owner as well. Yeah, he's pretty much, every, I mean, he's much older in age. His dad was the one who originally started the company. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he he's the one that kind of, like, just head of all operations, decide who wins all the matches, mm-hmm. decides, like, who's going to say what on the microphone when they go up to, to the ring. Mm-hmm. Just basically everything. Yeah. Like, that, micromanage the shit out of it. That's the thing that sucks about professional, like, sp- like fighting sports in general, especially UFC. I, like, love the UFC. I love, I fucking love the UFC. I, you know, I tune into all the fights, but it sucks how underpaid they are, honestly. And, you know, the problem is, especially if you're an MMA fighter, you know, 
the UFC is the top. Like you're 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 if you're an MMA fighter, you're you're working your way up to get to the UFC. Yeah, that's the NFL, NBA, for mixed martial arts. And so uh, the problem is though, since like the UFC is the sole per uh, people who own like or who are like, if you want to get paid for being a fighter, you have to go to the UFC. Right. That's the only option basically. Like there's other leagues. You're just amateur at that yeah, point. Yeah, there's other, but there's other leagues, but they don't pay as much, you know. And so the problem becomes. Could like, you make like a living off of them in the sport in like other leagues? Oh yeah, yeah, like passable at mm, least, you know. Maybe not like well off, but you're you're, um, no, you would have to have a side job, I would think. Really? Yeah, even even early UFC days, um, some of the lighter weight classes when they weren't taken seriously, um, flyweight, which is one twenty five. When it wasn't taken seriously, uh, the champion at the time was working an eight-hour job, and he was the champion. Dude, that is shitty. Yeah, he was working a construction job, (laughs) and he still wasn't making enough money. And so that's the thing about that sucks about, like, every fighting sport except boxing. Because boxing, you make so much money because there's so many different leagues. There's the WBO, the WBC, there's uh, the UBO. Like, there's so many different um, leagues you can participate in that they're all vying to, you know get more money like you know what i mean it's like oh participate in our league be our champion we'll give you more money gotcha yeah so that's why it's super difficult and <clears throat> i love boxing i think boxing's super cool um you know there's a lot of strategy and nuance to it obviously but um you know they i i feel like if you're a ufc fighter and mma fighter you should be getting paid just as much not just as much but like if not a little bit less or equal to a boxer you know I mean, but, that would make sense to me, too. Yeah. Especially like these MMA fighters. If you make it to the UFC, it's not like you can just get off, like, I just know Brazilian jiu-jitsu really well yeah. or whatever. Like, you need to, like, be uh, at least, like, somewhat competent in all mm. these different, like, aspects. You know what I exactly, mean? Exactly, exactly. And, um, but, you know, uh, uh, do you know who John Jones is? Uh, yeah, I've heard the name and stuff, and, like, uh, I know he's a beast, but... Yeah, basically, the dude's a beast, right? And so, um... His last fight, he made, I think, $500,000, maybe a million dollars off the fight, you know? Mm. And um, that's off one fight. And then Anthony Joshua, in comparison, he made $108 million, like, off the last couple of fights he did. I don't even that's know like, who Anthony Joshua is, to be honest. Oh, have you? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm going to... Sh- I'm just going to show you this video. Okay, so... An- okay, I'm showing this off video off the side, but um, there's this guy named Anthony Joshua. He's... I, th- I want to say he's... He's basically look this this motherfucker right here. Look, look how huge he is. For everyone back home, look up Anthony Joshua right now if you want some uh, yeah, just clarification. Got chest, He's just sure. huge, and so this guy makes almost as much money as Floyd Mayweather, probably. But um, and that's crazy because um, strictly boxing, strictly boxing, you know. And these guys are in the ring going ham on each other. They're like, I don't want to put down boxing, but it's just like you know, there's just as much nuance with mixed martial arts as there is with boxing. For sure. I would assume more, honestly. Yeah. Like, just because you have to master all those different forms and things like that. It's hard. It's hard because um, I think it's just not taken as seriously. You know, it's it's seen as, like, like you're fighting in a ring and just, like, going ham on each other. And, like, boxing is more like... I, I, I heard this today. It's, like, a lot of people view boxing as a very defensive sport. You know what I mean? Like, you're just trying not to get hit at some points. But, like, you watch motherfuckers like Floyd Mayweather and other top boxers they're incredible like they are dodging every blow coming towards their way you know mm-hmm. and it's just insane that um you know they're getting paid like not like it's not even like it's double it's like quintuple the amount of people in the ufc dude completely like honest boxing has always bored me like i remember watching yeah. like 
the Mayweather Pacquiao fight. Like I was watching, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was in the middle of watching like game seven of Clippers um, Spurs that day, mm-hmm. and like that went down into a game winner. Like Chris Paul hit the shot off one leg, like incredible shot. Yeah, and like people were watching like the warm up fights for like the the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, and like yeah. all it ended up being was like a, a hug fest for the entire time. Yeah, like, like, dude, I, yeah, I kind of killed my love for like any of the yeah. fighting sports and stuff. And like I was already watching WWE where people mm-hmm. were getting smacked upside the head with mm-hmm. like chairs and jumping off like 20 foot ladders even though it was fake it was like at least entertaining no that but they're the the that's still incredible to watch even if it's just an act yeah the fact that fake jumping off a 20 foot ladder that's gonna hurt you no you can't fake that and landing and then the punching you know that's like if you're doing a good job with it you're doing like that's that takes talent you know yeah no undoubtedly you know are you are you you okay when I, I think I asked you this last time, but I'm forgetting right now. Do you follow specific players or you follow specific teams in the NBA? I follow, I mean, it depends. Honestly, like, I would say at this point, like, mostly I'm just a team guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have my favorite players for sure. Like, I think Luka Doncic is amazing. Um, he's almost, like, made me a Dallas Mavericks fan just by himself and, like, Nikola Jokic from the, the Nuggets is, is also that the is like, that the huge German guy on the Mavericks? Um, huge German guy on the Mavericks. You're probably thinking of like Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, he's retired now, but he was incredible during his. No, who's career. the who's the nice guy on the Mavericks right now? That's Luca. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Luca. He's he's, he's, play, he's like a six eight point guard. No, but what country is he from? Oh man, like Slovenia or something. Slovenia, like that, Czechoslovakia type of stuff. Yeah, like Eastern Europe. I don't know the exact country, but uh, I think it's Slovenia. Mm-hmm. But you I think you he's he's one of the players you've been following. He's nice with it. If he was on a a badass team, he would be running the whole NBA right That's now. That's what I'm saying, bro. And like I don't know. Why is the he signed with the like, Mavericks? He was drafted there. Oh, he's drafted. He's still a very young player. This is only his like third year in the NBA, I wanna say. And like, is, how old is he? He is like a couple months older than me. Like he's twenty one right now. Or just turned twenty two recently or something like that. Do you think the skill gap is getting larger and larger? Not skill gap, but are players still getting better and better? Or I personally think, believe so. Or like, is it trying to plateau? I think the player. I think that like just any sport in general constantly evolves yeah. for the better. Mm-hmm. I've I've never like I've always believed in player progression and things like that. Like I, I I always hate when like old heads are like, dude, this era was so much like tougher or whatever. And like maybe there were rule differences that like made that appear <sighs> that way. But like there's no way. That the exposure of the sport and, like, how much people know that they have to grind now and how much money people put into their bodies, like, there is no way that it has gotten, like, worse over time. Yeah, LeBron James, I think if he went into a boxing match, he could fuck up. He could probably maybe hit Floyd Mayweather. Like, he's that... He's I believe that, so. He's just that naturally athletic, you know? Yeah. And you, if I think he'd be a star wide receiver in the NFL. No, if you gave him six months, he'd be probably, like, the top five best tight ends in the NFL. Just because if you're... Okay, maybe not the NFL, but, like, you know what I'm saying, though? He's, I do know. Like, I think, like, that athleticism will translate to a lot of sports really well. Because if he's just, like, so built mm-hmm. for uh, a basketball... Not basketball player, but when you're six... What, how tall is he? Six... He's, like, six eight. You're listed at six eight, but, like, probably floating around six nine. Six if ten, you're floating probably. around six nine and you're 250 pounds... You're going to run through everyone in the entire league, no matter what. Like, yeah. a lot of these guys are, um, and that's the thing. Like, there's, like, that was the not the problem, but we had in my high school, we had this guy named Brandon McCoy. I don't know how relevant he is now because I don't really see him around the NBA. But when he was, he was a seven-foot um, 
you're seven feet tall, you know? Mm. And so when you're playing in high school, like, he's literally, like, grabbing the ball in midair. It's so easy for him. Because he's playing, you're, you're playing against, like, I think we were D2 at the time, basketball. So he is, he's literally grabbing the ball, like, super easily from everyone. But even though he's seven foot tall, he wasn't very athletic. Yeah. I mean, that tends to be the case for a lot of these seven-footers. Yeah. I did read a statistic somewhere some sometime that it was, like, 11% of people on the face of the earth who are seven feet tall play in the NBA. Really? Which is kind of, like, mind-boggling to think about. Just because, mm-hmm. like, there's only, like, 450 NBA players around uh-huh. there or something like that off of every roster. So, like... Just the fact that all these seven footers are just like fuck it, I'll play basketball is like funny <laughs> to me. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, a tenth of them, bro. Like, yeah, no, but seriously though, it's like, um, you can be tall, but you have to be somewhat athletic still at the end. For of the sure, day. Yeah. for sure, you do. Because he was running, he was he was playing the whole game like because you're if you're seven feet tall and you fuck up every other player, like of course you're gonna play the whole game. But he was getting like if the, he was getting gassed, he was getting gassed by the third or fourth quarter. And um, everyone was relying on him because he's the seven foot tall player, and so everyone's passing the ball to him every play, and then he's just making it. How are you gonna play the whole game? You know? Yeah, shot fatigue is a real thing in basketball too. Where like, just the the more like offensive load you have to carry, the more tired you're going to be, and that's just like natural. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think you could see that with like Kobe and stuff like that too. Where like, especially in those like those years where he didn't really have much of a roster around him, like. He was dropping 81, like, that definitely took years off of his career, like, Mm -hmm. the fact that he just had to carry so much of a load for his team. No, definitely, definitely. Okay, I just want want to congratulate you, too, for, uh, I know we're changing subjects right now, but I just wanted to congratulate you for winning, what was the Outstanding Member of the Year for the Interfraternity Council? Yeah. Wow. How do you, um... I kind of wanted to ask, like, how did you feel receiving that, and kind of, um, what was, yeah, how did you feel after receiving that, per se? So, I mean, I was in the car, like, driving back home. Just from, to, like, okay, just to give a little more context, sorry, uh, the Interf- uh, Interfraternity Council, um, basically, the sorority fraternity life at our school had an award ceremony, and, uh, uh highlighted people who, highlighted chapters, basically, and then... Will got um, won the award for outstanding interfraternity council member, so he was the standout for all the fraternities. But go ahead, go ahead. I just want to give some context. I want to give some context. Yeah, it was definitely anticlimactic to be honest. Like I was in the car, like driving back home, and like I couldn't read the chat or anything, so I didn't see anyone's <laughs> reactions. Like I was focused on the road, and I just heard my name get listed off, and I was uh-huh. like, "Oh, nice!" Like <laughs> that was pretty much as far as it went. Uh-huh. Like, um, but yeah, I think it's cool that they like shout people out in the first place or like want to give recognition to people mm-hmm. you know what I, mean? I just if it, if it was in like a uh, in-person setting then i think it would have been a, like very like rewarding you know mm-hmm. what i mean but um like the real experiences i've gotten from greek life that like really meant things to me are not going to be like an award or anything yeah. like that you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like the heart to hearts that you have with people and stuff like mm-hmm. the real genuine moments that happened over like the last four years for me mean a lot more than like Oh, outstanding member. Like, <laughs> that's cool. I'm not mad. Like, I'll put it on my resume or whatever. But what, what do you think? Um, what What would you say the high? Not the highlight, but uh, what do you think put you as an outstanding member? Like, what do you think separated you? Just to your involvement overall. <laughs> I think uh, I've done a lot of things that were like I, it was through Greek life, but it was a lot of like philanthropy service. Like we would, uh, I uh, did the 
Chinese Lunar Festival with the School of Social Sciences, and, like, the guy who runs that is a FISI, so I had uh, him write me a letter of rec, so it probably looked good that, like, I have letters of rec from guy from alumni from different fraternities at UCI, mm-hmm. so that probably was, like, one thing. I've, like, volunteered over at, like, the Fresh Basic Needs Hub and stuff like that, and uh, there was, like, that one year where you did the philanthropy that, like, got featured on the news or whatever, so, mm-hmm. like, I think, like, my the, the philanthropy stuff on the my, like, Greek resume, if you want to call it that, was uh was pretty solid and I think that was kind of like probably the thing that they looked at and was like oh this wasn't just like a leadership position like he just did this because like it was the right thing to do or whatever you mm-hmm. know what I mean yeah <clears throat> no it's also something I'm a big bro about it's just like especially with leaders positions in Greek life um it's you I don't want to trash on sororities or anything like that but um you know <clears throat> I kind of want to hear it <laughs> I mean in the sense um I remember my, I think it was first or second year. I don't even know which sorority. I it might have not even been a panhellenic one, but <clears throat> in the office, um, the SFL office, kind of just chilling. Um, I, I think I was dropping off a check or something like that. And these two presidents were talking in the room, and they were one of them was just like, oh, I hate my chapter, like I hate running it, but I'm good doing it just for my resume, you know. And I was just like, I know for sure that's not either of yeah, us. Yeah, like, and I was like, whoa. We're like ride or dies, I yeah, feel like. No, like, seriously, I was like, that's what I was saying, like, um, um, it's just, it's so, str- not strange, but, um, it kind of, I kind of forget sometimes that, you know, you do the things you, or I did the things and you, you, you included, because, mm-hmm. um, we're very similar in that sense, but, um, it's hard to imagine that people don't do it for, like, you know, this, not self-preservation reason, but the, but the, the idea that they did it because they want to better other people or like there, there was a bigger picture than just like, Oh, I'm being the president to be added to my resume. Yeah. There should be something a little bit more intrinsic about it than just like, this is going to be something that like excels me in the future. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like for me, it was a lot of like character development for the future and stuff. Like I would say I'm very much so better at dealing with confrontation when it needs to happen now. Mm -hmm. Like I used to be, uh, like, when I was younger, I would just, like, avoid confrontation um, because I thought I was, like, being the bigger person. Uh-huh. But if that, like, leads to future problems for you, dude, like, that is not... That's, like, being, like, a pussy almost. Like, you're, like... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, you're yeah, just, yeah, like... Yeah. Like, you're just avoiding confrontation for the sake of avoiding confrontation instead of, like, actually seeking, like, truth and debate and seeking, like, um, some form of, like, happiness or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to be, like searching for a greater good than just like I don't have to deal with an argument in this moment because that's usually festers into something much much deeper and uh, worse if you don't nip it in the butt there no yeah definitely I think that that's the thing I learned a lot too because I was probably the same way as you because you before I want to say before Fiji but I would say generally within my life I was very I probably even a couple years even into Fiji before my leadership positions I felt that um it was just hard. It's hard to be confrontational just because I'm very, I'm a very nice guy at the end of the day. It's, it's, it, that's just my personality. No, I, I get that. Uh, I think like we're alike in that way. Yeah. And so, um, I think the fraternity kind of just <clears throat> taught me to like, all right, sometimes you need a ball up and like, just like, <laughs> you got to take it sometimes. Like sometimes you're just going to get yelled at. We're not even yelled at, but sometimes you just fuck up and you got to deal with the repercussions of your consequences or someone accuses you of fucking up and you got to be able to stand up and be like, this is why I made that decision. Yeah. Or, Hey, you're getting it wrong. I actually didn't do something fucked up. Like I'm standing up for myself. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I think that's what taught me a lot is just like standing up for myself and stuff like that. I mean, also continuing on with the, the fraternity talk, now that you're graduated and everything, um, what, how do you, what, how, how do you kind of want to continue, not continue, but how do you want to be as a grad? Are you trying to be super involved to kind of pass her by or like you're still trying to figure it out right now? Um, I would say lean towards the side of passerby. Um, honestly, like as much as I love the experience, like I do feel as though I had to pick up the slack for a lot of people who maybe were like losing interest at the time. And Uh like the pandemic certainly didn't help with that. So like, uh, I just like spent too much time doing things that like were not progressing me as a person. I would say Uh they were just like tedious activities, Mm -hmm. um, meetings that I'm just like, dude, like this is not going to help me with anything in the future. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so not like I was, like we were saying earlier, it's not always about just doing things for yourself, but I am very excited to kind of like kind of explore the things that I like to do a little bit more and like figure out myself a little bit more. Like, I know I say that as a 21 year old dude, like, but life's a very long journey and you don't necessarily have everything figured out by the time that you're like graduating college, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think especially I th- about yourself. Like you just need to figure out like what makes you genuinely happy, what brings you joy in life. So, mm-hmm. um, I think I'm just like working on that process right now and stuff. Uh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm definitely working on that process too. I, um, <clears throat> I was talking about my last podcast, but you know, <clears throat> uh, I think it's probably already hit you, but I'm starting to get into that mode. Like, oh shit! Like, you know, I'm gonna graduate soon, and um, I think to- I went to Joshua Tree over the weekend. I kind of talking to other grads and seeing how their pathways kind of, uh, in a sense, move differently than they intended it to. You know, and I think that uh, it kind of made me realize, like, oh shit! I should really value the things that I enjoy right now, my hobbies. You know, because a lot of these people who are graduates, you know, they. Uh, they, they focus on work, but then they kind of lose passion and other aspects of their life that they really liked, you know? Yes, and that, that definitely happened to me, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, going into college, I was, like, a big Pokemon player. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, that kind of just dropped off after, like, rushing a fraternity and stuff like that. And, like, dude, like, we used to drive out to, like, a Carl's Jr. in Lakewood on Thursdays and just play with, like, Pokemon nerds. Like, yeah. meet car like, just trade cards and stuff like that. And, like, mm-hmm. it was one of those small things that I just always looked forward to in the week. Um, just like positive interactions all the way around. Like we were all there with like, like-minded individuals and stuff like that. Um, that probably sounds nerdy as fuck to some people, but like, yeah, <laughs> that, that, uh, get it, get it how you live. You know what I mean? Uh, like it was fun. Um, and I'd love to like do something like that again, but totally was not in that mindset. Like over the last four years mm-hmm. during my university experience and, uh, without those things, I don't think you have like a complete picture of like who you are as a person. So it's important to keep those hobbies alive if you can. Yeah, because I'm sure you're busy as hell right now too with all your stuff going on in Fiji. No, it's it's still busy, um, but I'm trying like the podcast. I was literally talking about with someone the other day. It's just um, when I wasn't doing the podcast, I was I, I stopped for like a week just because I got busy with school and um, moving back and all that this and that. But I felt weird about it because like it's shit. Like, I'm it's something I like and I'm not able to do it right now. And that's why the Pokemon shit. I feel you, bro. I, like, want the Pokemon cards. You didn't even bring them, huh? I forgot, dude. I, I I'll meant show you to. After, I'll show you after my shit, but, um... If I'm ever around again, I'll, I'll bring them around. Um, but, yeah, I totally just skipped my mind today. But it's one of those things that... Even that, like, you... I, I like how you said it was nerdy, but, like, it's one of those things that just brings you joy. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like... It's, um... It's just... It's part of your, um... I don't know. It's... Especially with, uh... Because, uh... 
I've always been a huge nerd my whole life and kind of like reconnecting with these things when I'm older has been super cool because like oh fuck like now I have money to buy these things I like to actually yes, have. Yes dude that, that's a big deal too. Um, because with the Pokemon cards specifically um, it's just the, the artwork just like the fact that like you had them when you were a kid and it's like oh shit like they've evolved There's so much. There's a certain nostalgia to yeah, it for sure. Yeah Did you, pl- you played the games when you were growing up right? The video games I wasn't super big on. I never understood really? like, IVs and EVs that well. I played not the, even that, but like, did you play the main games? I like would beat the final four and like finish the game in a couple of days and be like, all right. Well, what I was guess. the part? Did you like the anime or is it like you're into the Pokemon? Dude, itself? I played the cards. Like I knew the oh, card game. You, like oh, you were attaching inside. energies every turn and stuff like that. Oh, like, I never. I I was never super into it. No, I went to a couple like um, tournaments and stuff like that. Um, uh, there was this one guy when I was like first crushing the fraternity, and he was like a top sixteen at Worlds one year. And I was like, I like nerded out with him. And I was like, dude, like that's crazy, man. Like, we're fucking like frat dudes in the middle of the pub, just talking about Pokemon. And, like, dude, like I went to like I got like a third place at like this regional championship one time, uh-huh. and, and like that was pretty crazy. I started the day off like, like was this in high school? One. It was my freshman year in high school. Okay. I remember because like I had a basketball practice that day, and I just told the coach I was so sick that I couldn't get out of bed. And, like, guarantee you, if I went to that practice, I would have never remembered it. Um, I didn't have, a, like, a career in basketball anyway. And, like, uh-huh. that tournament, that Pokemon tournament, something I'll remember for the rest of my life, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave me, like, a free booster box after that, which is, like, Damn. 36 packs, that's like, $100 packs. or that's whatever. Like, packs. No, that's more than... If you, if you had that now, that'd be more than 100 Yeah, yeah. yeah it is, I mean, Pokemon value, like cards have shot up in value quite uh-huh. a bit, actually. So, yeah, it probably would be, but, did, like... Did you keep everything in nice condition from your decks? Ooh, nice condition? I mean, I, like was very careful when I was shuffling the cards, but they were used. There's no way any of them are, like, mint or anything like that. Uh-huh. No, nothing's going to sell for that much anymore, I don't think. But um, there are certain cards that I just never touched in my binder that are worth, like, 100 bucks now and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I have that thought sometimes, like, should I just sell these and make a fuck ton of money off uh-huh. these? And then I always, like, come back to, like, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, you never know if this is something, like, you'd ever want to come back to. And, like, I always want that opportunity there in case I decide to. <laughs> well, like, not only that, but... If you're not down bad for money, I think holding on to the Pokemon cards is very, very valuable. I've, <laughs> I've been down for money pretty bad before, but not, like, sell my Pokemon yeah. cards bad. No, so. because uh, some of those things go crazy. My friend back in the day... Okay, I know we're talking about Pokemon cards, so I'm going to give some context right now. Um, there's this Pokemon called Umbreon, and my friend had a Gold Star Umbreon, uh, which is the shiny version of Umbreon, and that's... Mm. Um, he sold it back in the day for six hundred dollars, right? Jesus, right? Yeah. And now it's worth five thousand dollars, I think. Uh, I think like a mint condition. Well, let me look it up real quick. I'm gonna do some uh, Jamie on uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can go to the computer a little bit today. Yeah, I can go on a little computer right here. Oh shit! Like this is mint condition. I think. This what? Is, yeah. 40 grand yeah. <laughs> what yeah so um he sold it for 600 dollars back in the day but now he regrets it a lot so i yeah, guess i'm sure dude. yeah i think uh, that's another good reason to hold on to him for a little bit yeah you know, like even if i am gonna sell them one day like let's let that value just kind of increase a you, little bit you know what's so funny okay i barely talk about this with people but my dad he is what's the word he is obsessed with Star Wars collectibles, right? Really? So my dad has been collecting over the last probably 10 years just different replicas of the helmets and the guns and everything in between, all the props of Star Wars, right? And so he, in his office, 
there's i think i want to say 30 helmets from all the different movies and stuff like that he's just obsessed with it and um he has a safety deposit box literally with all the certificates of authentication and he keeps all the boxes and everything he's just super crazy about that shit and i remember growing up it was just insane because literally like I would come home and there's just boxes of like Star Wars collectibles, all these helmets, all this bullshit. And I'm just, and he's always like, he's always like, I'm not going to sell it until he's like, I'm going to, I'm never going to sell it. I'm going to give it to you when I die. And then you can do whatever you want with it. That's his, that's Ooh. his. So, um, dude, that's a fat inherent inheritance. One yeah. Day. Yeah. All of this Star Wars collectibles, bro. Would you sell it? I think, I feel like that's a tough moral dilemma. I think, um, he kind of understands I think I would keep a couple of them, but I think some of the lesser ones I would sell off because, like, he's not as passionate about it, but, um, mm-hmm. that's just a, f- like, that's a, like, you know what I mean? People go wild for collectibles. I remember, I would go to Comic-Con, and, uh, I would stand in line for, like, I would get up there, uh, 7, 8, 8 a.m., stand in line, and I would stand in line for these collectibles, and I would sell them on eBay afterwards and tr- flip them for triple, you know? Yeah. I've never been to a Comic-Con before, but that sounds like a really fun experience. I was, like, a big Star Wars fan when I was young, too. I went to a Star Wars celebration. Like, it was, like... In the, Florida? It was the 30th anniversary at the in time. In Florida? It was in L.A. Oh, uh, I We were young Florida. kids. Yeah. So, like, I went to the one in L.A., and I was, like, very young at the time. Uh-huh. And I remember there was just these, like, rooms where, like, every... There would be, like, Darth Vader helmets, and, like, in the back, there would be, like, carved out. It would be, like, a scene that was, like, a Star Wars scene that happened in, like, one of the original uh-huh. trilogy movies. And, like, dude, people got so into it. Like, people dressed up and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Like, there were, like, Boba Fett's and Stormtroopers all over the place. And, like, dude, it was just my people, man. Yeah. I connected. Like, I was like, I love... The, these, the vibes are immaculate here. No, like, exactly, exactly. Do you think that, um... Um... A lot of the people who are in KSIG now, they are still, like, they were the same the same type of way. Like, they're kind of nerdy coming in, and they get kind of frat over time. Or they they pretty frat coming in. I think that a lot of them are frat coming in. Uh-huh. I think I was, like, one of the guys who had, like, more of a nerdier side to them than most people, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I was still, like, respected regardless. It wasn't like a, like... Oh, yeah. uh, like, we're judging you for that kind of yeah. thing, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I said, like, there was one guy, like, who was, like, a top 16 at Worlds when he was a young kid. So, like, uh-huh. we all had that nerdy side to us, and then, like, we just, our, our interests grow different as we get older. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Casey kind of has, like, a, a lot of, like, pack mentality and stuff like that, yeah. too. So, it's, like, we kind of rock with you no matter what you what you rock with. As long as, like, you take care of yourself and you care about your future, then, like, we respect you for that. Do you think, do you think after you leave, do you think the chapter's left in good hands after you left? Yeah. Or- yeah. yeah, I do. I mean, um, what do you mean by that, though? Expand on that. In good hands, I think all the new guys that we brought in over the last couple of years are fantastic. Like, there's, like, when I was first coming in, I would say there was always, like, a couple, like, guys maybe slip through the cracks here and there. And then, like, that just isn't the case anymore. Like, we are, uh, we really, like, vet guys pretty hard, I would say. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> on top of that, like, the, the culture, I think, is a lot more brotherhood than it, like, it was. I don't, I don't know, actually. That's kind of tough. Like, it was a different type of thing. What, but do you like, mean, what do you mean by a different type of thing? Like, I think, like, the, we rock with you a little bit more unconditionally than we used to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, all right, you got to go with the program and we'll rock with you back then. And now it's just like, we're going to rock with you no matter what. But oh. we're going to make sure you're worth rocking with uh-huh, exactly. before you get in. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's, it's the same end result. Um, just through a different means, I yeah. would say. So do you think they got, it's gotten cooler then, or like the people are cooler than when you first initially joined? 
Dude, when I first initially joined, I remember going to Rush and everybody's just like buff as shit, had their career figured out and everything like that. And, like, I think when guys rush like now, like they're mm -hmm. gonna feel the same type of way. Like I don't think like outside ex like appearances have changed really mm -hmm. at all yeah. in that regard. So like, um, especially these new guys that we've brought in like virtually during coronavirus. How, yeah, how are the like, new guys? How are the new guys? A lot of them I haven't like really gotten the chance to get to know too well since I was graduating while they were coming in, mm -hmm. but. Um, from, like, old accounts, it just sounds like they're a fantastic group of guys who's just, like, super ready to take on the future and stuff like that. Like, ready to carry that legacy on. Mm -hmm. How did how did you uh, convince them, a lot of these guys, to join, even though it was online? I found that they were just kind of, like, more down than, like, the you guys usually are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think, like, the fact that it was online meant that they had to look <clears throat> for it to find it a little bit more and kind of meant that they were already, like, down for it. Uh-huh. And, uh... Like, the guys that they met kind of, like, just vibe with them along the way. We didn't have anybody, like, drop from our pledge class this year. So, oh, like, shit, from every, winter? How many was that? Like, 13 or 14? I think, yeah, 14 total. Mm -hmm. So, and then, like, quality is, like, through the roof. So, I'm just really happy with, like, the, the state that things have been. And then, like, our exec board currently, <clears throat> you know, have, like, worked under me and Pasha before. So, like, I think, like, they're going to be fine no matter what. You know mm. I mean? they, they, they get the values. Like, there's a lot of, like, phrases that we use, like, no bitch assness and stuff like that. And, like, work hard, play hard. And, like, big picture things that, like, when they all come together, like, the mentality is never going to change. So, mm. like, people will always understand what it takes to be successful. Because that's what it's always, like, really come down to is, like, we just don't like people who kind of are just, like, lost in their life, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, who don't really, like, have a direction. Like, yeah. And not to, like, knock any of you guys who may be, like, listening to this and, like, don't know exactly where you're headed, because, like, it does happen. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. just, like, we I wanted, like, guys who are motivated. Not necessarily, like, that knew where they were going to end it up, but motivated to, like, be the best version of themselves. Or fix that, fix that monotony. Fix, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's the tricky thing, especially with new guys. Um, you know, it's always that fine line of, like, um, they have the potential to be great or, uh, you know, they have the potential to be great, but it's also like, you know, you're not a, I hate saying this, but it's like a fraternity is not a self-help group at the end of the day. You no, know? no, you don't no. join. No, I, I guarantee you, even people who thought that once they joined their lives changed forever. Like once you join, there's still things you need to improve on. Like even after you pledge, like, that's not like, that's not the peak. That's like, oh shit. Like, all right, I know what I have to fix now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've always, like, framed it as, like, after you pledge, you have, like, made it into, like, the social hierarchy, but now you're at the bottom, and you kind of have to, like, work your way up mm -hmm. the top and kind of, like, prove yourself a little bit, um, prove what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely my mindset when I came in. That's why I got as involved as I was, I would say, is because, like, I wanted to, like, prove that, like, yeah, like, I, I can capable of doing this shit. Like, yeah. like, give me the responsibilities. I'll take them head on, and I'll mm -hmm. do them, like, to the best of my ability, you know? So, mm -hmm. like, that was, like, a challenge that I always looked forward to embracing. Mm -hmm. um, hold up. I'm going to... Hold on. Before we continue our thought, I need to pee really quickly. All right, we're back. Sorry about the delay, people. Um, what, did you have a finishing thought about what you were going to say? Yeah. Um, this, I got, like, super sidetracked in my mind um, for a second there. But, like... What I was kind of, like, going for is that uh, the way I view it is that for this is just me and my experience with my chapter. I can't really speak on any other fraternities because mm -hmm. I didn't, like, join them. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of people had the mindset that, like, joining was going to improve my life, and it's not like that. You had that mindset or a majority of people? I think it? a lot of people did have that mindset. Is, like, like this you is were joining or, or just... In general. In general. And, like, okay, not right. from start to finish or, like, earlier on, later on. That's just been, like, the general trend. But the mm -hmm. real... The real thing is, like, it is our resource to help you easier, to make it help you, e eh, to 
make it easier to improve your life. Yeah. But you still have to take that initiative. Mm -hmm. Like that, that part doesn't go away. Like mm -hmm. you will not like, you'll have guys that you can go to the gym with now that'll mm -hmm. like help you figure out what you're doing wrong with your like form and stuff like that yeah. and make it like, so you see results more. You'll have guys that'll like help offer you internships and jobs. Uh -huh. You'll have guys that'll help you with emotional support when you need uh -huh. that kind of thing. But ultimately if you don't reach out, if you don't go to the gym, if mm -hmm. you don't care about your job, career, success, any of that stuff, then uh -huh. like none of it will come into fruition because it always takes that first initial spark. It is just like a resource to kind of make things easier for you to get further. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that because, uh, that's the thing too, that always pissed me off about being a fraternity, not pissed me off. That's not the right word. What always frustrated me about being in a fraternity is, um, you know, you always get brothers who kind of have the mentality like, I'm just going to show up to parties. I'm going to get fucked up at everything. Um, that's kind of what my value is out of that. And if that's not happening, then I'm not going to show up. You know what I mean? And that's always like bothering me. It's because like, it's like, bruh, there's a lot more to this than you think. You know what I mean? Do a lot of people, um, I don't know, do you, do you guys say DA, right? Deactivate for bros who end up leaving? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we use that, like, phrase and stuff like yeah. that. It's, uh, like, we kind of, like, just put people on different, like, financial programs that kind of just uh. work with their budget. So, like, we don't have a lot of DAs. We have a lot of, like, guys who, like, need to make more payments and stuff like that. But we don't have a lot of guys that, like, straight up leave for financial reasons. But do you have a lot of people who leave for other reasons, though? Not really, no. Not really? People don't usually find a sense of belonging in there? I'd say, like, our retention rate's, like through the roof like oh, okay. people like who join like stay until their fourth year pretty much every time okay that's which is really good. nice that's you know good. what i mean like and the only you thing need, you have that you need that like older wisdom in the chapter kind of mm -hmm. be like able to pass on the next generation you know mm -hmm. so like having like a strong presence of third and fourth years is like essential to a, a functional fraternity no i think you, you guys probably do it better than most other fraternities honestly with their tension rate yeah, a lot of, like, fourth years end up in Newport, but even then, like, the big events that happen, like, they'll still come out to that. And, like, how, still... many people, how many people are in the chapter right now? We have a lot. We have a very big graduating senior class. So I think we got, like, 30 people leaving this year. So I think we're going to be left with, like, 45 or something like that. Oh, you're still good then. You're still we're going to be chilling. Yeah, yeah you'll like... be good. That's good. I'm glad you guys got a, a good fall or winter class. We ended up, um, we got seven in the fall, two in the winter, and we have four pledging right now. Okay. Yeah. So, like, honestly, the spring was very surprising because four uh, people coming out. Yeah. No, we have we have we have like four bit like we have four pledges like officially. Yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. And which is um, I just it's just not been very good the last two springs I've been here. My first year in spring we got seven pledges, which was insane, and four ended up crossing. So um, having four now, especially, and you know how it is right now. I think that the people who decide to pledge now are very are much more committed. Than people usually. I are. think they know what they're getting themselves into in terms of like what the experience is going to be if they're doing it online in the first place. Yeah. So like, I think they're like their heart, their mind, their soul. It's all in like the right place to be successful, like moving forward. No, yeah. I don't think there's there's no one like joining for parties when there's not parties happening. So. Exactly, exactly, and that's kind of been the great thing about COVID recruitment. It's that people have been. It feels like people are joining for a deeper reason, mm -hmm. or you're getting guys who are like they're they're coming to an online rush fraternity event like they are making an active effort for something greater i i would hope so for most of them i mean that's that's what it seems like to me yeah i mean have you seen that across the board with that with the other fraternities i honestly haven't talked to that many guys in other fraternities about it i know mm -hmm. like like recruitment in general wasn't like fantastic this year which was kind of to be expected because mm -hmm. we're not getting those guys who are like down mm -hmm. for the parties and stuff like that but yeah. uh, we are like the guys that we're getting are going to be guys even like in every other fraternity, I think like mm -hmm. are going to be guys that are 
super down to like mm-hmm. help this thing help this boat stay afloat for yeah. as long as possible which is like really what you need more than anything else you know mm-hmm. what i mean like the guys who like come for the parties i think they're still necessary i think they're oh, still no, like, you'll get they some, add a lot to the experience you get some cool guys from just the parties you know what i mean uh-huh and guys that you're gonna like want to hang out with for the rest of your life like get a place with you know what i mean like uh-huh. a lot of like my good friends still are like the partiers and stuff like that too mm-hmm. so like i'm not knocking that by any means i just think like uh those guys don't necessarily help keep the organization alive. So if you're if you're looking at it from the standpoint of like what's going to keep my like chapter alive during COVID, we got a lot of the kinds of people that we needed. Yeah, which was good. Yeah, no, that that's what we got too. We got a lot of leadership people. We got a lot of people who are very proactive. They'll like wake mm-hmm. up at like seven in the morning, go set up that booth for yeah. Washington Fall. So <clears throat> or they're the ones who are like, I'm down to do the menial work. Uh, I'm down to text people to come to rush events. I'm down to text people to come to booth. Yeah. Sometimes you need that because a hundred percent you need partiers. You need people who like I, as 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 conceited as that sounds. As someone being in a fraternity, you a hundred percent need members who are down. Yeah. To absolutely. have a good time. Absolutely. Because you're in a social you're in a social organization at the end of the day. So you need people who are willing to put themselves out there to meet new people because. Um, I'm sure it's the same in your chapter, but you have bros who are not as social as other people, so they need those bros who are social to kind of give them that extra push to be social. We we put people in a position so that they can utilize their strengths for mm-hmm. sure. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, um, guys, like I remember, like for example, I made like these like gym tanks and stuff like that that were guy for guys like who would go to the gym, they had letters on them, just so that, like, if anybody who was, like, thinking about Russian fraternity was ever at the Ark or whatever, like, they could see that, go up to them and be like, yo, you're in Kappa Sigma or whatever. So, like, kind of, like, picture, like, the kind of people that want to join and where you're going to find those kind of people and put, like, the guys that they're going to vibe with in those positions. And, like, that's how you expand, really, is, like... You found that effective? What would you call it? Gym tanks? Yeah, like, gym tank. you know, like, the little... Oh, uh, gym tanks, like, tim- tank tops. Yeah, like, tank tops uh, and I thought stuff you meant like that. called the... The people who go to the gym and recruit people as gym tanks. No, no, just like you should start calling them that. You should call them that. Yo, gym tanks. <laughs> go hit the arc today. <laughs> you need some more recruits. No, just all our buff ass dudes. We like just throw in there, and we're just like, yeah, go rock your letters, man. Like if that's your, if that and partying is your contribution to the chapter, you're still benefiting us in a very like positive way. As long as you're not being toxic on everything. Yeah, don't yeah. do anything fucking stupid. Hopefully, um, but, but they're bro- the if they're br- if they're bros, obviously they're doing the right thing most of the time. They're not fucking stupid. Like they see the greater good in all the causes. So mm-hmm. like they, when you need to be real with them, and you're like, look, I need this out of you like they're with it you yeah know what i mean like you can have those like moments and be real with them even if they're like jokesters or whatever mm-hmm. um so yeah and people really under like people really underestimate how difficult it is sometimes to be a male and talk to other males about conversations like that like sometimes like oh i need your help on that type of stuff you know what i mean or like hey you're acting up i need you to chill the fuck out you know and i think people really underestimate how uh how stressful uh, being in a leadership position is in a fraternity in general, you know what I mean? I think men, like, naturally have a lot of, like, ego built into them mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, like, they care a lot about, like, where they rank in their, like... Hierarchy. Their, their like, social hierarchy and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, like, you try to not step on any toes where you shouldn't. But, mm-hmm. like, when you, like... When someone has, like, put their ego in, like, a place where you can't have it, then, like, you... That's an example of what we were talking about earlier where, like, confrontation is inevitable and you yeah. have to just, like, kind of get over it and have that conversation with them, so... No, yeah. And I, that that was... I think that was probably the hardest part about 
first be- being a leader in a fraternity was being able to go up to these other like guys who you know uh they're older than you you know they you were a pledge at one point you know they they see you as you know a new member compa- comparatively most of the time most of the time comparatively and you have to like if you're in a leadership position sometimes you have to have those uncomfortable conversations or confrontations like hey dude you're not paying dues uh, what's up? Like, can mm-hmm. we have a conversation about it? And that I think that and was, they might not have even rocked with you like that. To yeah, begin with when you yeah, first joined. Exactly, so. exactly. Like, who are you? You know yeah. what I mean? And so, um, I think that was just a crazy life skill I learned. Was like, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm just a standard Asian dude. You know, I, and um, I don't see myself as super. Uh, what's the word? I don't see myself as super like. Uh, Ma- not masculine but super confrontational like like we were talking about earlier i don't see myself as one to be like what the fuck dude what the fuck are you doing you like, want to be like the good vibes yeah, guy who's yeah. just like a fun guy to hang out with exactly exactly but when you're in a leadership position like you being, can't always be that being the treasurer sometimes you have to be you have to be messaging these people and saying hey dude what's up what what's happening you know you know i know you're my like you're my older older brother in the chapter but um I, I'm the younger brother. And it's my job to check in on you, you know. And it's kind of, that was a big thing I realized is just, you know, um, you don't always have to be the older one to be mature. I think I, I always had that mindset kind of growing up is like, you know, I always felt young for someone my for like I was always young for someone my age. You know, I'm 21 still, and I just turned 21 my fourth year. So I'm like comparatively younger to everyone else. So it was always I always found it difficult, especially in college, to be the mature one and be the one to you know stand up for myself you know and so i think being in those leadership positions and being in the fraternity really helped push me to become more comfortable in those situations now i feel more comfortable asking people hey what's up with this because you know i know how to react now because i've I've done it in the past before Mm -hmm. you know i think a big part of it like besides age is also just like how you uh kind of compose yourself and i know like you kind of you like walk around as you have like respect yourself which is going to make a big difference when people see that um so that's one thing and then the other thing is like uh one of the like the strategies that i would use a lot is kind of like negotiate with people uh-huh. like when you're trying to get something out of them uh-huh. Not that that sounded like manipulative but i just mean like when you have like reason with people reason, reason, reason with people like i i would uh i would negotiate on my own terms yeah. kind of thing like i would be like if someone if i if i'm the treasurer uh-huh. and i need like 400 dollars for the quarter out of this person <laughs> i don't just send the, the text like, 400 now or fuck you like yeah, it's not that, like that. It's, it's not like, like that it's 100 percent right, like, not like that. what's your like what what's your job situation right now like what what's going on like financially for you so that we can kind of like work this out if i can get like x amount yes, of money by this yes. date like mm-hmm. that would be super helpful like we just, this event's coming up so that would really help with that and like make it so that they can kind of understand it like make it so that they can kind of see it a little bit more from your perspective exactly and then they're usually much more inclined to help exactly, you out exactly exactly you know I mean? as opposed to like working against them you're yeah. asking for the money out of them yeah. which is like always going to be a tough situation because like they don't necessarily have to pay that money to you. They can just, like, say fuck all and just leave. But, like, (laughs) once you, like, once you're just, like, this is what we're trying to spend the money on, this is, like, how much I need out of you by X date, if we could work out a payment plan and, like, if we could just, like, do these certain things exactly. and I can like see it from your way. I can see like your situation and make this work for you. And you see it with my situation and make this work for me. Then we are like all set to go. You are a hundred percent. We're a hundred percent because you, when you are dealing with others or when you're dealing with the boss, you want them to be understanding at the least, at the least, you know, when you are in a, you're in a bad position, you want your boss to at least understand 
maybe they might be a little bit mad, maybe they might be a little bit disappointed, but they at least um, are willing to, you know, work with you in that capacity because like money is a sensitive topic for most people and i think uh obviously if kappa sigma was free if phi gamma delta was free if any of these fraternities were free everyone would be in them everyone would be in them you know Mm -hmm. and then it's it's just always hard because um there's at least with i feel like with our chapter specifically there's always like a sense of belonging within the chapter, you know? People, yeah. People feel like they're brothers at the end of the day, and, and it's hard. Well, I think that's why negotiating is important, too, because yeah. you're not locking on any egos that way. Like, you're yeah. avoiding that whole, like, like if someone does just pay that money, they don't just feel like they just got dicked on and, like, got cheated out of their money. Exactly, like, exactly. They feel like they, like, contributed to something mm-hmm. that way, you know and what that's I mean? what so. people. And that's what people, I always hear, that people always fuck with your fraternity because of that. Um, people always fuck with Kappa Sigma because I feel um, your bros are very... Um, you know they're they're very brotherly they're very brotherly and i think um you know us sigma pi there are a lot uh, of big egos in there so i think that was like one thing i definitely had to learn is like especially when i was younger like there was just certain like situations i didn't know what to say or do that was going to get me like what i wanted out of it so Mm -hmm. like learning those kind of skills helped a lot yeah like when i do go to my boss now and like look like, you've asked me to do, like, X amount of, like, work this week, and I've had to go, like, drive out to these birthday parties and work for these kids, dude. Like, can you please, like, cut me a little bit slack here? Like, a $1 raise would make a big difference for yeah. me. Like, I'm trying to save up for this. Like, I would know how to have that conversation a little bit with him, like, more man-to-man now than I did, like, two years ago. Because you have the experience. You have the experience. Exactly. And the that's, experience. like, the valuable thing I've gotten out of Greek life, as well, yeah. I would say. Because you can't – it's hard – you, you especially in a leadership position, it's hard to find anything, like – interacting with not only like your peers but adults as well there's a fine line you walk um i notice um especially being in that leadership position between adults and kind of like still student slash kid you know um you sometimes you have to be the adult even though you might be the, one of the youngest motherfuckers in the room you know and yeah if you're the only one with the maturity then yeah. like, you kind of have to yeah you're yeah. just put in that position and so um that really matured me really 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 fast because it's like oh shit i am responsible (laughs) for other motherfuckers you know and um sometimes legally so yeah you i I had to sign a paper did you sign a paper ever for like becoming a signer or whatever like saying like you're responsible for the fraternity if anything bad happens yeah when i I became just like a signer for ifc and case so you know sign that paper and it's like yeah like it's my fault one rogue bro like yeah. decides to do something fucking crazy yeah. and like now it's my name attached to it not his like no, that you, scares the fuck out of me didn't like, that scare the fuck out of you when you like you like kind of like because dude like came you never know mind. what someone's mindset is like someone could be going through some deep dark shit in their life and just make a very rash decision and now that has like permanent consequences like exactly thank exactly. god that never like happened to me personally uh-huh. like i was never put in a situation where i was like forced to like show up to court or anything like that thank god but like thank god thank god easily yeah. could have you know no. what i mean and that's the and um i was watching this movie actually called burning sands earlier it's about um these guys uh there's five guys and they're pledging a fraternity at a historically black uh college and um they're just it's about them going through the pledge process and them uh they just basically get beat the fuck up to join a fraternity and it's crazy um Long story short, some bad shit happens, and then, like, obviously, they figure out the consequences of their actions, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or the older people kind of... You kind of see, in a third-person view, like, uh, people 
who aren't responsible for their actions hurt the greater good of people. Not people who are irresponsible with their actions. Ugh, I won't, let me think about this. Basically, yeah, you're. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna spoil it. It's it, some some bad shit happens. It's cool. I probably wasn't yeah. gonna watch it anyway. It, um, basically, the the motherfuckers they clap the kid's head right between his ears and explodes his eardrum. Yeah. And he has a seizure because his, his ear his ears his hearing's shot basically. And so he passes out. He has a seizure, and then all the fraternity members leave. Right, and uh. Only people who say are his pledge bros, right? And they take him to the hospital, but it was already too late. Like, he died, you know? And so, kind of watching that, uh, it just... There's so many parallels... Not parallels, but, like... Uh, it really highlights the fact that... Uh, those... You, you, There's a big difference between people you actually call your... Like, your brothers, your family, people you can rely on, people who are there to, you know, party and do all these different types of things, you know? Um... As cheesy as it sounds, I really you people do get a fucking a lot out of the fraternities, you know, and it just sucks that um, some people abuse that power and use that type of uh, leverage of you know like we're a group of men who like to get fucked up and shit like that to their own personal advantage, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so that's why the collective of like you know bros is something so like uh, cool because it's like oh shit like you care about each other in like a deeper way and like you. It, right. you know, yeah, yeah. I think like one of the things that struck me. When did that I make first sense? Joined, did that make did. sense? It did. It did. I'm like two beers deep right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, dude. Did that make sense? Did that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I like an example of that for my own chapter. Like one of the things that really struck me. Like this isn't like something I'm proud of or anything. But when I was like growing up in Long Beach, dude, like people would go out and have a few beers, like even in high school, and drive home afterwards, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Like. Uh-huh. In our fraternity, like, you're going to conduct for yeah, that. Yeah. Like, you are, that's a serious, like, and yeah. that's, like, known that it's not a, something that is okay uh, Yeah, ever. no, I, I take that shit hella seriously. I get really mad when I hear about shit like that. That's, like, num- one of the number one things that will get, like, paved yeah. at you for, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Like, more than more so than a lot of other things. Yeah, so. But that's good you guys are responsible like that. Have you, did they? So that, but that, that instills, like, that's not just, like, a, we don't want the liability coming back to us. I'm sure, like, that's part of it. But, yeah. like, it was also just, like, a dude, like, you're going to you could die like yeah because you just made that decision yeah, like and yeah. that's like not what we want for you mm-hmm. like we care more about your future than yeah. you do at that point so like exactly help us out help us help you a yeah. little bit and like life take is take care of yourself a little yeah. bit. yeah and you because you don't know that yeah the feeling of like losing someone close to you like that is would be just be devastating you know mm-hmm. and um you just don't want anything bad happening to that especially like that's why like you always ne- like we were talking about earlier you always negotiate especially when talking to other uh, members of the fraternity, like, talking to them, like, hey, let's work something out because, like, genuinely care, you know? There's something deeper. I would hope other fraternities foster that same type of, like, brotherhood, but I, like, know for a fact that at least, like, you no, and I, me... I, I hope that there are yeah, more fraternities, too. Yeah, like... I, I wish I knew, but... Yeah, like, um, at least I'm talking on your end, you know, like, like is it a place of genuine caringness and just because... Um, you know, you it's you care about you care about the organization at the end of the day. It brought you a lot, and you kind of want to bring it, give it back because you give you fuck with it. You fuck with it, you know. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna fuck with it for the rest yeah. of my life for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, like I'm gonna be one of those old guys on the Facebook pages going like, "Hey, back in my day, <laughs> back in my day, here's some photos of me uh, hanging out with my brothers." You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, that's kind of cool. You know that there's something. Uh, I hate to say, like, I not think of it as a hobby, but 
is something as I actually care about and like fuck with and enjoy. Okay, well I, I was gonna ask. Um, fuck, I forgot my question. Um, oh, I forgot my question. I don't even remember now. I, it's it's the two beers, bro. It's the, two <laughs> beers. The, two, the two beers got me, bro. Um, it was something about the fraternities. I remember, bro. I remember. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember. Hold on, I need to go to the bathroom again. So, okay, yeah. so I'm going to pause it real quick. All right, we're back, guys. Uh, two beers is a lot for me, apparently. Okay. You got the so, Asian glow. No, I don't have Asian glow. I'm just fucking with you, don't I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, scoot closer, scoot closer. I usually don't They can't that. hear me right now? I just want to make sure they hear you. Okay, so do you think that... Okay, now do you think. Um, did you ever, in high school have the uh the pro not the program but it was like a showing where they would bring in like a crash car yes i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> you ran about. a crash car but okay this is what they I did had a grim reaper walking around and shit no okay, and I cops hear, came and... no 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 like, okay i want to hear what i'm gonna say what mine was and then i want to hear what yours was okay. okay okay so mine was like uh they they announced it all it wasn't like a random thing i heard sometimes it's random but like ours was like Hey, they're gonna do a drunk driving thing. Like this is what you got. Like you gotta go to it. Like this is a whole week thing or whatever. And so what they did was uh, Monday they call everyone to the fucking uh, stadium, huge ass stadium in the middle of football field is a crash car, right? And so um, you know <laughs> they have the crash car in the middle of football field. They have the parents all like all the parents who were like so the kids they were in that car crash, right? That was like the scenario they they were playing. And so they brought all the parents of those kids right and um they would the parents were like legitimately crying though like it wasn't an act like they were like legitimately like like oh fuck like they like felt like their kid died right and so they're like crying and bawling there's like 400 kids in the stadium all watching these parents like ball their eyes out and cry and um there's the grim reaper there <laughs> some dude dressed in all black and um they're like all oh, the kids all died in a car crash uh they were drunk driving and like this is what the the car crash looks like right these these parents are just bawling their eyes out and they're they there's some dude with a scythe in the back like it's shit like that right then um the second day right they just put the they put the car middle of the quad everyone can see it you go to class you go to your math class you're going to math you're going trigonometry you see the crash car like in the middle of the way going to the class every Everyone can see it, basically. It's in the middle. We have this huge quad area, um, four buildings, basically. So you had to walk by the car no matter what. And so you saw it every single day, right? Then on Wednesday, they had the kids all dressed up in black, blackface, everything, racially insensitive, uh, dressed in all black, walking around like they were dead, right? And... Uh, <laughs> Your laugh is... <laughs> You're laughing, bro. No, okay, okay. But, okay, I, this is where the part I was like, bruh. It's like, they're walking around, like, looking at you, staring at you, and you they wouldn't talk to you back. You'd be like, like, you, you, no one, I don't Susan. know. Susan. Yeah, Susan, can you hear me, Susan? I don't know if ever, anyone was like, hey, dude, like, hey, Brian, like, what's up, dude? But, like, everyone was ignoring it, like, kind of like, oh, fuck, like, this is just kind of like, like, you know, it's kind of a lot to handle right now. These kids are, my friends are just kind of staring at me, like, pretending like they're dead. And then on Thursday, they had the funeral, and it was just so fucked up because they had the fucking grave, right? And then the, the dead kids were, like, right behind it, standing behind the coffin, and you're just like, jeez, dude, this is just, like, like okay, I'm never going to do this. I get it, I get it, I get it. What did they do for you? Did they do something similar? Dude, it was almost the exact same thing, I would say. There was two crash cars in the middle of our football field, at yeah. least, like, a thousand kids out there. <laughs> 
And we had a Grim Reaper too. I remember I remember this specifically because my mom did the makeup for the Grim Reaper. Uh-huh. And the kid was like six foot four. And yeah. for those of you guys who don't know, I'm a pretty tall motherfucker. I'm yeah, six foot yeah. six, right? Uh-huh. And the kid's like, oh god, I did not like this guy very much, but whatever, that's besides the point. He goes like he's talking to my mom and she's like he's like, I'm the tallest kid in the school while she's doing the fucking makeup yeah. on him and she's like, My son's William McKay. Like, yeah. no, you're not. Shut the fuck up, basically. She elbowed him in the face. No, then, no, no, she's okay. too she my mom's a sweetheart, but uh, she couldn't harm a, a, a fly. So. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, she was like, Okay, whatever, kid. <laughs> and goes out there and does this little grim reaper thing. Um I don't remember the kid the, the kids didn't dress up in blackface for us, so that's okay. one thing, okay, I guess. Okay. I will say that. And uh, I don't I, that wasn't a thing. There was only two days. So but like when they had the two Crash cars, they were like bringing the sirens. Wee, wee, wee. Like, oh, yeah, that's I forgot. The, they, the uh, fucking ambulance like drove up from the street onto like, the football, onto field? The football yeah, field. I remember that. And saved yeah, these yeah. kids. They're like bringing out the jaws of life and everything. Yeah. Kinda, like recreated as much as possible. The funeral thing, though, exactly like alike. Yeah. Like the parents gave a speech about yeah. the kids that were dead. Yeah. Their own kids, like they were actually dead. They yeah. were speaking like that, and like, dude, they were brought to tears. Uh-huh. The kids were brought to tears who were pretending to be dead. Uh-huh. The coffins were out and everything like that. Uh-huh. The kids were up there speaking to us as if they were dead. Yeah. Like it, it was so much extra. Like that, like really could have like traumatized somebody. And I know that's they're trying to make that point that like that is is that serious. Yeah, yeah. And it was effective in doing that, but also like. It was just the most strange thing at the time. Like, that, so different from anything else we ever did. Exactly, exactly. Cause, okay, that's kind of my question then. Do you th- did you think that was too much? I do. That's I like do. traumatizing, right? I, I, I think there's better ways to illustrate that point. No. I get like statistics don't really give you like the full picture. Like yeah. a lot of people hear like, even with COVID and stuff yeah. like that, like people hear how many deaths there have been and then they're like, that doesn't fully, like, reach their mind that, like, people are really dying in those numbers. But, like, as soon as, like, your mom dies from COVID, you understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I get that they're trying to, like, personalize it to make people care more. Yeah. But there had, had to be another way that besides, like, <laughs> calling had... the fucking ambulance and I the wanna... fire truck and making them come to their football field. I and bringing wonder... out a coffin in the middle of our gym. Yeah. And having the parents cry and give a speech about their dead kid. Like, yeah. it was a little bit too much, yeah. I would say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is... I. I wonder if we told that to some adults today, how they would think about that, if you could, considering the environment. Because do they still do that probably at schools? Probably, huh? I got no idea, yeah. honestly. I, I, imagine sure they that's did that. someone's complained about already by now. Yeah. Like, I feel like, imagine they did that at UCI. Like, that would not fly. That would not be chill. We get so offended by everything at yeah. UCI. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Now, people, I feel like what we are we are very quick to, like, kill other viewpoints just for the sake of, like, people avoiding arguments, and that's, like, what's stopping us from reaching truth at UCI sometimes. I feel like it's it's just super, um... I, 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 I it's super... It, it's very... Trying to be careful with what you yeah, say here. Yeah, I'm trying to say, be careful what I say. I'm trying to think critically of the words I want to use in this situation, but I think that the environment at UCI is very politically correct, you know? And um, there's very little room for error in some people's minds. Maybe it's a university thing, but I think it's also being a UC SoCal university thing as well. That sometimes um, people are very, very sensitive here to a lot of different things, you know. And um, I'm not. I don't know if I want to say if like anything's wrong with that, but personally, I am not one to get too offended by 
a majority of things that are said, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, I think what really, like, brought home the point for me is, like, I had so many different, like, lectures about, like, the benefits of communism and stuff like yeah. that while I was at UCI. Uh-huh. Um, this is what's wrong with capitalism. This is what's, like, could be better. Uh-huh. But throughout my whole entire educational experience, uh-huh. I had one lecture about Mao in yeah. high school, and I had one lecture about Stalin in high school, and uh-huh. that was the extent of those tragedies that I ever learned about. Yeah, yeah. So many people died yeah. under Mao. Yeah. Way more than Hitler. Yeah. And, like, I never... I heard about Hitler all the fucking time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying that one's better than the other or, yeah. like, you know, like... One's worse than the other. Or, yeah, like, yeah. no, you're like... Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, like equating there's a rel- horrible things but like why yeah. are we deciding to only teach kids one half of history yeah you know what i mean like i'm not saying that communism can't work in some fashion and especially like now that like technology is so much improved like we could definitely get a better idea of like what areas need help more than others uh-huh. um but i think what people don't understand is that like they they talk about like rights and freedoms and stuff like that and they want to move to a more leftist society mm-hmm. it's like leftist society is the government telling you what job you work, collectivizing your labor, and then dispersing it to other people. And yeah. there's nothing free about that. Yeah. Like, there's nothing, there's no rights that you have at that point. And, like, countries like Cuba, like, all the fucking time, like, there's just these carts with ham sandwiches because that's, like, the government wants you to yeah. eat. And, like, there is nothing else and there is no, like, working economy. So, like, I'm okay with, like, people being very critical of capitalism. By mm-hmm. f- like, I'm, I'm all for that, actually, because I think uh-huh. we should always be looking for ways to improve our our government system i just don't i don't like that it's like so much just one side of history and then people don't think critically about like the alternatives uh-huh. they just think like something different would be better but they don't think yeah. what the different is yeah do what wait, wait why do you think people are so deterrent to figuring out what's different about all that then i think well like we're just politically left in california mm-hmm. and there's a lot of good that comes from that. Like we get a lot of social programs that help a lot of people and things like that. Uh-huh. And people have seen those benefits on a smaller scale because America in general is just such a capitalist society that some regulation is definitely necessary. And like, like states like California have enough regulation that things like do move like a lot smoother in certain aspects. Um, but they, we just don't think certain policies all the way through. There's so much more nuance to a lot of issues that we just don't discuss. And people are probably going to, like, listen to this and be like, dude, this guy's a conservative asshole. Uh-huh. I am, like, not conservative at all. Like, I, like, have voted liberal pretty much on every, like, initiative that I've ever, like, read. I just don't think that our educational system is doing a very good job of presenting history to us. Mm-hmm. They present a skewed version of history, and like, that they want us to see. Uh-huh. And that terrifies me because yeah. when have, like, the good guys ever been the ones, like, hiding information? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the good guys have never been the ones burning books throughout history. You yeah. know what I mean? Or like any of that. So we should be a little bit more cognizant of like what happened with Mao and what happened with Stalin and how to avoid those kind of things going forward if we are to regulate our government more so than it is now. Mm-hmm. Do you think it, it should be regulated within the state then or do you think it should be a wider mandate between the whole country? It are depends you, on the issue. Do you think it's more nationalism? Do you think we should lean towards more nationalism then? I think that the way we are now, yes. Yeah. I think we should be a little bit more nationalistic about America because, for example, like on my AP US history test, uh-huh. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about this actually, but yeah. um, I was there was a question about like why did we, uh, why did we like want to, why did, how did the government like expand westward with like railroads? And the yeah. correct answer was like 
offering prices for buffalo's heads so we could all kill off the native american food supply and like you need to be like cognizant of that history and yeah. understand the impact that it has to this day. Mm -hmm. Cause if you don't, then your opinion's kind of not valid because yeah. you don't understand why things are the way they are. Yeah. And everything's going to come off to you. Like it's a grievance study because you don't like fully comprehend what had happened and you need to, you yeah. need to, that's mm -hmm. basically, that's not, that's step number one, understand uh -huh. what happened, but understand both sides of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I'm kind of no, like, yeah, no, but, like, I I think it's appalling that I never got taught about Mao go in college once. Mm. I think that's horrible. I'm a political science major, yeah. sociology major, and never got taught about Mao mm -hmm. or Stalin. What do you think is so important to highlight with Mao? Uh, can you look up, like, the number of people that died? Okay, let me look up. Jamie, can you pull up a statistic for me? Some Joe Rogan. Do you, do you watch a lot of Joe Rogan? How many people died under his rule? Yeah. China, please don't DDoS me, please. Uh, died under rule. Let me see if that works. That's probably not good at Googling right now. 40 to 80 million victims. Through starvation, persecution, prison labor, and mass executions. Um, Do you think that's a just a... People don't want to talk about it because, like, people don't want to talk about it because they're scared to talk about it. I I don't know why people are. I think like people in the. I think people in different states probably talk about it where yeah. they like the the political system's a little bit more right mm -hmm. leaning. But I don't. I think they fail to like talk about like what happened to the Native Americans. I think they fail to talk about like why our relationship with Black people is so toxic now. Yeah, and like they fail to recognize so many of those things. So. But it's it these it has to be stop picking and choosing what you teach your kids like that's what needs to stop yeah like I did you know that forty to eighty million victims I did not know that I did not during know that. Mao Zedong and like we I so many times when I was young I just heard like six million Jews were killed under the rule of Hitler yeah and that's such a massive number that you're like fuck dude and it was basically just because they were Jewish yeah you know what I mean because they were like viewed as scum in that society and that's horrible mm -hmm. um and then these people who were forced to collectivize their labor, like, had so much taken from them of what they were producing, and mm -hmm. the economic f system failed so miserably that 80 million people died of starvation. You because just I mean? they were not getting fed? Right. So, like, I watch um, Bill Maher. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all. Mm -hmm. But I heard one time he said, like... is he? Did he make a documentary about religion? He may have. Uh, I just kind of watch him, like, casually. I'm not, or, like, super continue, up to continue, date, continue, but... Continue. Um, he basically, like, said one time that um, capitalism is, like, a river. Uh -huh. And then communism is, like, trying to make that river flow backwards. Uh -huh. um, but if that river is not, like, properly regulated, it's going to, like, flood and destroy society. Uh -huh. So, like, you need to create that nice flowing river that is capitalism and then create the right dams and different structures that are going to help the river flow gently so that everything goes the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. And that's what I believe in. He, he describes himself as like a progressive libertarian, which is kind mm -hmm. of like contradictory, but it's basically government stay out of my shit until I need you to help me with something. Bill, and then Bill Maher? Bill Maher, M-A-H-E-R. Oh, Bill Maher. He has his own show, yeah, Bill Maher Tonight. Go, keep going, keep going. Um, yeah, described himself as like a, a progressive libertarian. So... Like you, the basic idea is just that we need a capitalist government 
because that's the only financial structure, the only economic structure that's worked throughout human history. This movie, I've seen this movie. Continue, continue. And, but at the same time, just because it's the only one that works doesn't mean that we can't have progressive programs in there that help fix some mm-hmm. of our societal problems. It's like, why is it one or the other? Why uh, isn't there like more nuance to the discussion? Um, but don't you think that there's a problem with libertarianism because um, inherently um, a free government or a free economic system um, inherently kind of drives a class-based system? Yeah, and that's why I think that you do need some level of like regulation in there. Those mm. dams and structures in that river that I was talking yeah. about, you know what I mean? Because those are the things that help things from shit like shit hitting the fan. Mm-hmm. For example, like during this COVID, like during the pandemic, all these small businesses are dying out while like Facebook and Amazon and all these online huge massive companies mm-hmm. are only driving up their private they're they're driving up their profits more and more and more. Yeah. And it's gonna get to the point where like the one percent has an unfathomable amount of wealth. I mean, it's already kind of there. Yeah. Where like some sort of like tax policies are going to be needed to be come in place uh-huh. so that we can fix that issue uh-huh. because it's just like the middle class has nothing to live off of yeah. basically. So like once we have seen that's a problem that's developing, then we do something about it. Yeah. But to tell people, this is your job. Mm-hmm. This is what we need from you every week. Um, this is how you're going to do it. These are the tools we're going to give you. This uh-huh. is your toothbrush for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, that's not the solution. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is all the the only real point that I'm trying to make here. Mm-hmm. Do you, th- um, but, uh, what's it called? Um, so you, th- you think that, uh, all the, all the classes, all the classes have to work together you be, there always has to be a class-based system, but they have to work together inherently to create a good society. Inequity is part of life. Yeah. And that's going to result no matter what you do. Uh-huh. There are going to be people who are better at things than you mm-hmm. or worse than things than you, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. So you might as well embrace that and let them use their strengths to their greatest like power. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be some people with just like not that many things going for them in life. And we can develop government programs to help those people out as much as we possibly can and put them in positions to succeed in society. Mm-hmm. But that's the most that we can possibly do. Mm-hmm. I think that's just, like, the, the brutal reality. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. I think that that's kind of the thing about... Um, that's the kind of the problem with, um, you know, these lower class... Like, thing, like, not lower class, but, like, people born into the lower class... A lot of them feel like they're stuck within that system because of the environment that they're fostered in, you know? So when they're growing up, they feel as if, you know, I'm born into this environment. I'm kind of destined to live this type of life for the rest of my life. And um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, give and takes with that, you know? Um, people have broken the barriers and, you know, break out of that lower class or that middle class or whatever, you know, broken out of whatever mold they needed to break out. But um, a lot of the time, it is true. It like, is they true. Just stay there, and they just stay there. And I think that um, I think the best thing, at least right now, for what people can do to get people out of that, or like encourage people to you know live the life they want to live. You know, if they're complacent living in that life, that's kind of their choice. At the end of the day, you know, some people are okay with. Um, you know, being living on a farm and just working their whole life. Some people are okay with that, but you know, it's we need to give the opportunity to people to you know want to break that mold and want to you know create a better life for themselves. And I think the best way of doing that is just like over the years, it's just like um, 
bringing people to those societies that have gotten out of it, you know? Like, like Chance the Rapper going, or Kanye West going back to Chicago and telling the kids, like, hey, I made it out of this shit. Like, if you want... That's the thing, dude. I think they need to be socialized to believe that they can achieve more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, But they don't need the whole structure flipped to benefit them, necessarily. Like, um, I know I saw you were talking to JT on your last podcast, and he was bringing up um, Jordan Peterson, Mm -hmm. who I'm also kind of a fan of. Um, And he has this one thing... um, the first noble truth to Buddhism is mm-hmm. that life is suffering. Yeah. And it were like, that's such a belief so much so that there is no hell in Buddhism, right? Yeah. Like life is suffering. You're going to be reincarnated until you reach some higher power nirvana yeah. or whatever. Right. So like, until you figure out the greater truth. Exactly. So like they believed that life was so miserable for everybody that there wasn't even, they didn't even need to make a hell to discourage people from like not believing in their religion. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. They didn't scare people into becoming Buddhist. Like they do with like Catholicism, uh-huh. for example. Yeah. Um, so what you kind of keep bringing up is like the class-based structure and the fact that these lower class people can't be- like don't believe that they can like break out of that mold. Yeah. But at least that's something that is based on like talents and skills that you can acquire throughout your life. Mm. But that inequ- that inequity could exist with something that isn't like something talent-based. It could yeah. e- exist with like your your family name. Uh-huh. That's something you literally can't do anything yeah. about whatsoever or your race. Uh-huh. For example. So at least it's something that you can change in your life if you you know, kind of follow like the 10,000-hour rule and like just grind 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 grind. I want to mm-hmm. become successful in this certain aspect, so I'm going to like develop it so I can move up in that structure. And it, like you're saying like it's not going to happen for most people and that that is like an unfortunate reality. But wouldn't you rather have that inequity come from something that could change than something that they were just stuck with no matter what? Yeah. And that's, I think that's the thing with Jordan Peterson. He says is like, um, it's about, you know, um, if you're going to be reincarnated every time, you know, you might as well start working towards a change at some point. You know, if, if you're stuck, you know, if you're going to be reincarnated for the rest of your life until you reach Nirvana, you have to, uh, start somewhere to achieve that nirvana so you have to work towards something and i think that that's kind of like the beauty of humanity and stuff like that is you know you know uh like jordan peterson said like jt was talking about um you have your bow and arrow you you kind of like pull it back and you take aim um and you want to take aim a little bit above the horizon and shoot for that you know because um if you aim right at the horizon you know you're going to reach that probably but if you aim a little bit higher you could achieve a little bit higher than what you previously thought you could. And that's kind of like, um, it's not about the goal at the end of the day. It's kind of like where you're aiming and like shooting off at, you right. know? Shoot for the moon and yeah. you land amongst the stars, you and, know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. And if you're going to be reincarnated for the rest of your life, you might as well work toward, you know, making it better for the future generations, you know? Um, I was talking with, uh, I literally with JT and um, one of the podcasts talking about, you know, kind of abusive parents and stuff like that. Um Sometimes it starts with the grandfather, you know, abusing the fuck out of a father. And then it just takes the father to, you know, ease ease the pain. Like, you know, like a lot of times, not a lot of the times, but I, I don't know how often it is. I don't want to throw out a statistic, but, you know, there's a commonality of like, if you have an abusive father, a lot of the times they, it rubs off on the children. You, they eventually become an abusive parent mm-hmm. as well. You guys are talking about lessering the hand. And yeah, like lessering, lessering the hand. And if we're going to be reincarnated for the rest of life or like uh, working if life life is suffering you know and we have to continue to keep doing what we're doing just because you know that's just how it is then like you got to start somewhere you know you can't 
shoot for the horizon if you haven't even you can't even you haven't even aimed yet you know and i think that's kind of the thing about bringing people back to those communities of lower equity you know you have to inspire them you're like look i've got somewhere because you know i i i took aim and did that and that that's kind of the hardest part about you know living in a uh capitalistic society is you know how do we tell those people that you know you can make it you know even though a free market society creates classes like that's the great thing about freedom is like you can try to you can create your own destiny you know and i think that's what people really want but you know what is freedom at the end of the day you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah no, I, I get you i mean jordan peterson i i seen him like go on about um like women engineers and like why they're paid less and he's basically saying like more men are in the field so there's a higher pool to pick from and therefore like more good male engineers than more good female engineers and you can either look at that and say it's a it's a it's an it's something that's like inherent about the like intelligence of males which is super just ignorant and false yeah or you can say like women aren't socialized to believe that they're engineers from an early age so they don't go into that field they're not like putting themselves in the position to get there yeah and so therefore there is a smaller pool to pick from and it's not necessarily like discrimination or anything like that but when there's less of them then it's like you're there's more there's less good to pick from so yeah. like they need to be like the the social the the dams in the river mm-hmm. need to be built in such a way that like there is enough success that women can see that and be like i fuck yeah i can be an engineer yeah like, there's no fucking man that's smarter than me yeah so i'm gonna work my like tail off and get to that point so that i can do the same thing and like i just don't think there there is enough of that so i think there are more like more progressive policies to be passed and that's why i vote liberal most of the time mm-hmm. on pretty much every issue yeah, yeah yeah so that those like structures can be put in place because i do think we lean too far towards like laissez-faire capitalism hands yeah. off just like let the market do its own thing when it shouldn't necessarily be like that mm-hmm. um but yeah i think that's the that's the main thing getting to them while they're young and like building up that confidence like you can you can be something great yeah no matter where do you come from no matter yeah. who your family is no matter what your life experience is if you put your mind to something you can be something great yeah. People need to know that. Yeah, it's important, and that's that's what that I think that's what starts the change of everything. And I think that's what <clears throat> starts that kind of rolling the ball towards a greater society. And it's gonna take a while, probably not in our lifetimes, we'll ever get to that great society. But um, you know, if we aren't like if we aren't if we aren't bettering everyone, it's always talks about philosophy. You know, like what's the point of doing justice when comparatively injustice is better if there was no consequences? You know, but. Um, as Socrates writes in the Plato's Republic, <laughs> as Socrates you did bring it back in. <laughs> okay, nice. As Socrates says in the Great uh, uh, Republic, you know, um, there is something greater about you know helping the common good. You know, um, I would hope so. Yeah, there is there there is a there's a value to it. There's a value to it because um, you know it's kind of like what's his name rolling the rock up the hill. You know, if we aren't if we aren't pushing towards something greater, we're just going to be stuck in the same place and. It, being stuck in the same place is kind of unhappiness at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's, not, I mean, yeah, that's if you believe there's value yeah. in anything. I'm yeah. sure there's like a lot of nihilistic people out yeah. there that kind of just believe like whether I'm Elon Musk or whether I'm Dylan Gallego yeah. 10,000 years from now or 10 million years from now, the world's gone, the sun's exploded, everything so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Nothing means anything. There's no like, there's no history of human beings existing anymore. What did it all mean? Why did it matter? And I kind of agree with, like, this is another Jordan Peterson philosophy, but I kind of agree with the idea that just, like, that meaning is for you to create. 
Yeah. And you should look at the things in your life that can be improved. And whether that's like you want to better the relationships in your family or you want to become better, you know, physically, you want to like become a healthier person. You want to like care for your loved ones in your life. You want to attain some sort of goal. Like that's what you should make the meaning in your life be like, like Kobe Bryant, for example, decided uh-huh. like, I was going to be a fantastic basketball player. I was going to mm-hmm. be one of the best to ever do it. And I was going to be remembered for that. And like, he would fly out for all his away games. And before he even reached the hotel, he would go find the gym of like the local high school and work out there because it was always about the game for him. Mm-hmm. And like, he became obsessed with the process of improving. And I think that's where the magic is. Yeah. You need to be obsessed with the process of just becoming the best possible individual that you can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's not everyone's meaning. Someone's meaning will be different than that. Someone's meaning will be like, I want to help kids from this kind of community in this such a sort, such and sort sort of way, and like attain your meaning that way. But mm. like, dedicate yourself to that process. Mm. Exactly. All right, guys. We talked about a lot today. That was a long podcast. That was a good one. No, that was a good one. You he, let me tell you something. Will came in and he's like, he sat down. He's like. I don't know what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> he was like, ah. The last time we kind of like had an idea of things that we wanted to like talk about. And like today we just kind of went in there and we were like, fuck it. Like, yeah. Let's just talk for an hour. And an hour and a half. An hour and a half, I guess. So. I think because, uh, well, I had some things that, well, it's been a minute. I, I think there's some things I was listening back to the last podcast. I was like, okay, there's some things I want to ask. I feel like that I forgot to ask about like fraternity stuff, just like how it's going and stuff like that. But I was glad to ask you that today i'm glad you're here today and uh do you have anything you want to finish off with no man i I really appreciate you having me on like always um this is an awesome thing it really is and i hope to do my own soon so if any of you guys are listening really into the nba and basketball then hopefully uh dylan can promote my shit when i finally get it rolling (laughs) we'll see if he's a real one like that or not we'll see we'll see there's no (laughs) we'll see we'll see all right i'm just kidding all right This is Chillin' with Dylan. We'll catch you in the next one. Thank you guys for listening.